Currency Welcome. I'm your host. My name is Mike Gaston, and this is episode number 122. 122 of the podcast. Glad to have you guys along. It's Wednesday, September 28th as I record this. Hurricane Ian just making landfall in Florida a little while ago, and uh, we here in Charleston kind of getting ready. It's a little overcast. I think we're just supposed to get a couple days of wind and rain, nothing too serious from what I can tell. Uh, This Yankee in King Arthur's court isn't quite comfortable and knowledgeable and experienced with the whole hurricane culture, but I'm watching the neighbors around me and nobody seems too concerned. So if they're not worried and I'm worried, when they start to look worried, I'll start looking worried. (laughs) I'll start getting worried. But yeah, uh, Florida looking like, wow, it's going to be a tough one. So really concerned for Florida and, and, and hoping for the best for them. Uh, my eldest son lives in Miami. So Josh, shout out to you, buddy. Hopefully you're doing all right. I, I understand Miami's not going to get the brunt of this, that, but um, but yeah, Florida's in for a doozy, I think. Guys, glad to have you along. I want to talk a little bit. Maybe Hurricane is a good metaphor. I want to talk a little bit about the state of the world that we're in and not so much, uh, you know, there's the broad strokes of like, oh, let's talk about the world. Yeah, okay, well, that, that sounds fascinating. But very specifically, what does one do? I'm, I, I gotta be honest, I am personally struggling with this question. And uh, so you're gonna have to come along for a ride. Maybe you are too. Maybe you are too. But you know, if you look around, and, and I think it's hard to find anybody that would disagree, the world's a mess. Our society is a mess. Like, our, like it, it's very difficult right now. And this isn't one of these messes where it's like, oh, it's just a tricky situation, but, but we just have to figure it out. We have to, f- something's broken, but we have to fix it. It feels like not only is something broken, but we're, we're hurtling towards something. We're, we're in, in motion. You know, you could have something in front of you, uh, let's say it's a tool, and uh, that tool is broken. And you're thinking to yourself, I need to use this tool in the future, so I've got to figure out how to fix it. This is a problem. Uh, maybe maybe in your house, there's a lighting fixture that doesn't work. And it's it's an irritation, it's a frustration, but but it's not dragging you to something. There's There's no, you're not in a car whose brakes have gone out and the steering has gone out and you're, and you're flying at 70 miles an hour. There's a, there's a, there's a, a real difference between those two types of broken. I, I much rather preferred that we were in the first kind of broken, which is like, yeah, um, the banking system's got some issues, but we can fix it. But meanwhile, you know, families are healthy and, and economy's doing just fine and people have, safe streets to walk and, you know, like, like, Hey, it's just, okay. We just have to fix this thing because this thing, we need it. We need it to be healthy. It's a minor or maybe even a major disruption, but it's not wrecking the world and it's not going to kill us in the process. My sense is, and I think, uh, you might agree if you don't let me know, but my sense is that, that there's something in motion. So not only is this broken, but it's in motion. We're hurtling towards something. And and we we have to get this sorted out because if we don't, we're all gonna die. I mean, I you know, just that kind of feeling. I'm talking about sense right now. I'm not um but but you know, there are I, I know there are certain people that would argue, no, if you look at the data, things are great. 
you know, there are these people like the Daniel Pinkers and uh, Angus or August Angus Deaton, I think his name is, of the world. They do these statistical studies, these social scientists, they do these statistical studies, these economists. They come back and say, look, uh, quality of life, best it's ever been in, in human history. Healthcare, life expectancy, you know, uh, uh, qua- um, quality of life, meaning um, uh, like, like your living standards, you know, blah, 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 blah. You look at all these data points. Like, it's great. I don't know what the problem. Why is everybody so upset? It's, it's great. But you see, this is your typical kind of left hemisphere view of the world where it sees the data, but it can't put the data in context uh, in which it, it should live, which is in the reality of this world. What is the experienced world? And so you can have all these data points, but in the end, those data points mean nothing if the experienced world is broken. So you can sit and say life expectancy is the best it's ever been, which I don't think it is, actually. I think these are starting to decline, by the way, but we'll just use this as an argument. Life expectancy, best it's ever been. But but then you have to ask the question, like, what is the quality of that life? It's it's one thing to say I'm living longer. Fair enough. I mean, I'm not, in, I'm not anxious and interested in dying anytime soon. I'm not looking for that to happen quickly. But at the same time, what is the experience of those years, those extra years that I'm living? Are they good? Are they bad? Now, there's there's a lot to be said for uh, um, humility, gratitude, you know, understanding what you have, being grateful for it, not being spoiled. You know, you, you're, if you're so consumption focused and so fearful of of any type of loss or hardship, you know, you could just be upset all the time. It's like these people that don't know how to forgive. You know, somebody looked at them funny. 30 years ago, and they just can't get over it. And and in the end, they're the ones with the miserable life. They're the ones walking around in bondage. They're angry at this person that didn't treat them right. And that happens. Like, look, people are abusive. People suck. They do terrible, evil things. And sometimes they do things innocently, not realizing, and they end up hurting you or they do you wrong and they're not even trying to. But you, you know, if you're one of these folks that goes through life, just I'll never forgive. I'll never forget that person. I'll never talk to that person again. You're hurting yourself more than you're hurting that person. So I understand that like some of this experienced life, you know, experience isn't everything. Sometimes we create our own experience. If you're unforgiving, if you're bitter, if you're ungrateful, if you lack humility, if you think everything should be all about you and your pleasure and your happiness, then yeah, you're not going to necessarily be a fulfilled, settled, joyful, peaceful person. You're going to be miserable. Your experienced life the, what you live and, and feel throughout your life, the experience that you have is going to be negative. And, and you could be living in a paradise and have that attitude. So, so I understand there's a component of this that is on us. I need to be humble. I need to be grateful. I need to be thankful. Count my blessings. And I do that. And that's tremendously helpful. Uh, and just as a side note, if you're wrestling with the world right now and you're down, demoralized, discouraged, and so on, do that. Spend some time taking inventory and being thankful. But what I'm trying to get at here is there, there is a problem. It's not just that I'm broken and so I'm experiencing the world in a negative way. And it's not just that we have a broken tool. There's an inconvenience. If we could just, you know, if we could just get um, high speed rail set up in the country, travel would be so much better and the economy would boom. You know, people make these kinds of arguments. Those things may be true. 
But there is this moving thing with lots of inertia. This thing is just moving. It's just got so much motion, so much energy. It is, we as a society are hurtling towards something and, and we are broken. The car, the automobile, whatever is broken. The steering isn't working. The brakes aren't working. And it's, it's almost like we're just like, we're just bracing for impact. You can see this in the rise of totalitarianism, both in our governments and in big tech. You know, the lack of like, there's no privacy. You are not treated as a sovereign entity. You are not treated as an image bearer of God that, that deserves respect, that is, a, that is an ends to your own, that, that are an ends unto themselves, not a means to someone ends. And we are treated, I can't speak, as a means to an end for our government, that we are a means to their end. For these giant corporations, we are a means to their end. We're just something to be used in order to enrich and empower others. We've broken our society, our, our, our ideas around sexuality, uh, our ideas around race, our ideas around economics, our ideas around family, our ideas around entertainment, our ideas around education, and even our ideas around religion are fundamentally flawed and broken. And we are now reaping the fruit of that. We are seeing this the, what were tiny little fractures in the foundation that we thought we could ignore have become these giant fissures. We collectively as a society cannot agree that a child that's been born, I'm not even going to talk, I mean, we can get into abortion, but a child that's already been born, should that their innocence should be protected. We can't agree that a child's sexual innocence should be protected, that it should be valued and it should be sacred. We cannot agree anymore that a child is sophisticated, mature, developmentally progressed enough to make decisions about their own sexuality, their identity, their behavior, their preferences. How many people would take what a five-year-old says about bologna sandwiches seriously? What would be your response if the kid says, well, I don't like it this way. I want you to cut it diagonally instead of cutting it on, you know, uh, like in rectangles. Kid doesn't even know how to use the word rectangles or diagonally. But you know what I'm saying? Mom doesn't cut the sandwich like this. You cut it wrong. I can't eat it. How many, how many of us take that seriously? We go, well, Mike, it's just a sandwich. Yeah, but the reason we don't take that seriously isn't because it's just a sandwich. We don't take it seriously because of the source. It's a five-year-old. That's what five-year-olds do. They don't know shit from Shinola. That's what they are. They're five. So when the kid goes, I don't want to cut this way, you go, you don't know what you're talking about. Eat the sandwich. Like if you're, you know, and if you, if you don't feel like a fight, you go, fine, I'll cut it the other way. <laughs> if you do that though, you're just setting yourself up for this little, this little God to walk around the house telling you how, how the world should be. And you'll just be jumping to his or her tune. Well, the reason we don't take it seriously is because it's a five-year-old and we know how many of those five-year-olds that demand their sandwiches cut diagonally into triangles or demand that the crusts are cut off the sami, how many of those people do we expect to become adults that still do the same thing? None of them. We, if you see an adult, if there's an adult man, he's 42 years old and he's like, yeah, you got to cut the crusts off my sandwich. 
you, you just go, what a child, what an immature, underdeveloped knucklehead this guy must be if he's got to have his crust. Now, if the guy eats it and he's not big on eating all the crust, somebody like, yeah, I don't really enjoy the crust so much. Like you eat a pizza. I don't want the crust. Why? I don't, I don't like to fill up on it because it's just filling. I don't love it so much. Oh, that, but that, that sauce, that cheese, uh, I'll eat that all day long, you know? So, so, okay. So some people are employing strategies or tactics to get the most value out of their experience. But when you see a guy who's like, I can't eat this sandwich because you didn't cut it into a triangle, Madge. You know, we all look at that guy like, what a freaking dope. What a man child. Grow up. We expect more from an adult. And we don't take very seriously what comes out of a child. And yet now, today, ooh, child decides, yeah, I think I'm a girl. Little Bobby wants to be little Barbara. Oh, dress him up then. Dress him up. In fact, why don't we start giving him drugs? Let's give him hormone blockers. Let's change his name, give him hormone blockers, insist that everybody calls him or her, get the whole school system to orient around him. Let's celebrate him. Let's make a parade. Let's go to war against anyone that dares to question. Let's destroy those people. Let's strip them of their jobs. Let's make it so they can't feed their own families. In fact, let's imprison and maybe let's even murder them. Because the five-year-old said he thinks he might be a girl. And why did he say that? Does that really come into the mind of a five-year-old? Or is the five-year-old just being fed information from his mother and from media and from school and so on? Is he being propagandized? And so what I'm trying to say here is there's something very broken and we can't even as a society come to terms in agreement on some of the fundamental things that you need for a society to work. We can't come to terms on what fundamentally a marriage is. We can't come to terms on what education is. We can't even agree on what the history of our own society is, was, and should be. We're at war over every single aspect of our cultures, our societies, our nations. Every single aspect, every single aspect. This is troubling. This is not a broken tool in the garage that you might need at some point. This is a car careening at breakneck speed towards a cliff. Now, I think it's hard to find people that would disagree with this. And I think even if you're on the left or the right, if you're on the left, you're looking at this saying, I don't think people on the left are looking saying, we're almost there. We've almost got things perfect. We almost have utopia. If anything, I think people on the left, the story that they have to tell themselves is it's got to get a lot darker, a lot messier before the sun can rise. You know, that's their metaphor. It's like you got to have a nighttime before you can have morning. And so, yes, we're pushing for all these things or there's these very evil right wing people, uh, these racist, nationalistic, Nazi, fascist, you know, capitalist white people uh, that are wrecking it all for, for the rest of us. And I should add Christian they're wrecking it for the rest of us. So, so it's going to be really ugly for a while. It's going to get really ugly, but we're moving in the right direction. It's going to get dark, but then it'll get better. I think that's the story they have to tell themselves to make today work. When they look around, they see it's bad too. They see it's bad too. You know, on the right, we're looking saying, you guys are breaking the very thing that holds us together. And once you break that and it falls apart, you unleash the, de the dark demons 
of, of the, of the, of the broken parts of human nature, you unleash the demons. And when they're unleashed, it's nothing but a hell on earth. There's a lot of yelling, like stop, but try to get people to listen. And there's, and there's evil on the right. You know, I like to pick on the left. Um, I'm seeing, and I have been seeing for quite a while, very troubling language on the right. A hate for blacks, a hate for Jews. I'm seeing white supremacy. I don't mean to say in every right-leaning person, I'm a right-winger. I'm a, I'm a conservative, right-wing Christian. That tells you pretty much everything you need to know about me. Now, you may not understand what that means, so you might think that means I'm a super capitalist and all that kind of stuff, and you'd be wrong, but that's okay. But I'm, I'm a right-wing conservative Christian. But I'm seeing in the right a lot of non-believers, ungodly people. This is mankind. This is man's sin nature, the right and the left. If you unleash if you remove the things that God put in there that are good, the mile markers, the fences, the posts, the, 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 the markers that are to tell us, don't go here, don't pass this. If you remove all those things, you unleash what's dark and evil. You don't free man for something good. <laughs> how many times in society, I mean, we talk about, you know, the French Revolution. How about, how about, um, Rob Spears, you know, terrors, the French revolution. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's a whole thing. So what I'm trying to get at here is, and I'm not trying to depress you guys, but it, I got to say, this is demoralized. It's very difficult. So what I'm going with this is say, you're sitting in this world. What do you do? What do you do? And everybody's wired differently. And I understand that. I can appreciate it. Some people are like, look, what can I do? I just got to keep my head down and do my job. And I'm not, I'm not here to criticize this is, this is an honest discussion or question. It's like, what does one do? Now, for me, the way I'm wired, and this has nothing to do with the current situation in the world we live in. I've just always been wired this way. There's a, there are a couple things. I, I'm maybe two or three things. I'm very much on the big picture. I, I always like seeing the bigger picture. I always like understanding the context. I want to see the bigger picture, not because I'm so visionary and strategic, although those things are absolutely true about yours truly. Well, that's, that was lame. Absolutely true about yours truly. Come on, Mike, you got to do better. But, but I am bigger picture. I do like to see the bigger picture. I want context. I'm trying to, I'm always looking for sense making. I'm trying to make sense of something. And so to make sense of it for me is to get context, to get the bigger picture. What does this thing fit into? What are the dynamics happening? What's going on in forming it? How can I understand this in a way that makes sense uh, and, and is meaningful and useful? I'm always thinking about that, always striving for that. Now, there are other people that like to break it down into data points, and I don't mind getting into data. Like if I dial into something, that's fine. But even when I get down into those data points and I break something apart and try to get at its, you know, its um, constituent pieces, once I've dialed in and gotten a lot of information, I will try to reconstruct it, put it back together so that I've got a fuller, more nuanced picture. But I, I gravitate towards the big picture. So for me, I can't ignore what's going on. So that's the first issue. I, I can't help but see what's going on 
and it, and it, and it, I just can't ignore it. Uh, some people don't look; they just they're happy to run to soccer games and work on their career and all that, and that's fine. I've just always been a bigger picture person. Okay, that's one thing. The second thing that's challenging for me is I care deeply about the truth. I I, I really. And I don't mean to say that I'm more truthful than other people or I'm more committed to it. It's just, it's hard for me if I see the big picture, it's hard for me to not embrace the truth. I don't know how to, how to turn that off. I don't know, I, I don't know how to not care about what's good, not care about what's right, not care about what's true. I fall short of it all the time. I've sinned against other people. I've sinned against God. I've, I've let my own self down. I've told lies in my life. I know, hard to believe, right? I, I've done all these things as a human being that all of us do on one level or another, but like I can't get away from what I think is true. Now, over time, I've had to learn things. Maybe what I thought was true at 27 uh, has changed a little bit, not meaning like, well, yeah, I used to believe in God, but now I don't anymore. But just like my relationship with God has changed through the years. I've gotten more experience. I've been married now. I've, I've, I've raised children. I've, I've failed and succeeded in both those things. And from those have learned and come to understand, you know, maybe when I was 27, I was much more of a authoritarian, you know, that like you run the house like really tight. And, and now I'm like, you know what, you got to give people room to breathe. You have to give these other people room to breathe. And so I still believe in a man, you know, leading his home. But what that means to me today has become more mature, not changed. I've not done a 180, but it's become more mature than it was when I was a young father. And that's unfortunate because you end up, you end up hurting your kids. I mean, what parents out there uh, can look back and go, we did it right. Pat on the back, sweetie. We did it right. We killed it. It's like we tried to do what was right. <laughs> I mean, how many parents do you just look in the mirror? Or you lie in bed at night and you're like, oh, I tried to do it right, but man, did I fall short. My poor kids. Now, my kids are great, um, but but I, I I'd be lying if I if I sat and told them or you the world that you know I, I nailed it. I tried, but but even we were trying back then. It was coming from a place of wanting to be faithful to the truth, to what was good, to what was right, to what was holy and just. And so I tend to be a very big picture person. I care deeply about the truth. And then the third kind of dynamic for me is I have this dr this drive, uh, I've always had it, of needing to make a difference, of needing to, to accomplish something. I'm driven. I, I, if God said to me, hey, Mike, I want you just to become a pastor of this little tiny church, just, you know, get rid of your house and your car and everything, live a very humble life, ride your bicycle to church every day, you know, you're going to have your little... 10 faithful people, and maybe on a Sunday you get 20 or 50 folks, but you just, you know, just care for the flock day in and day. Out. Just be there, be patient, be loving, pray for people, you know, support them, love them. That's all you need to do. I know there are people that that would be a dream come true. They're wired for that. I would, if God asked me to do that, I would have to die to myself in a way that I just, I, it would be so hard. I'm not saying I'm unwilling to do it. I'm saying it would just go so counter to my nature. I love people. I care about people. I want the people in my world to do well. I want them to be free. I want each and every one of you. I, I want this for you listening. I want you to be healthy and to be whole and to find peace and joy. I want you to grow and to succeed and experience 
the best life possible for you, both materially, emotionally, spiritually. I want these things for you. Like I care, I'm a caring person, but I need to do something quote unquote big. What is that? I don't know. And and that changes over time. When I was younger, I wanted to own my own business. Well, I did. Uh, You know, I'm consulting and I'm doing work with owners of companies. I'm in boardrooms and doing strategy. Oh, you know, I'm doing that. And and we do very well with that. So, So I'm just always driven to succeed on some level. Now these could all, you know, if there are any psychologists out there listening, like, yeah, you got some, you got some real issues. <laughs> yeah. No, no kidding. Uh, who doesn't, but the reason I bring up these three things, the big picture, uh, this, this hunger for what's true and right and good, and this desire to do something significant, always, just always driven to want to do something significant. If I layer that against the world I find myself in, it creates a real problem. It creates a real problem. And here's why. In a relatively stable society, say our world, you know, 30 years ago when I was younger, yeah, there were problems. Oh, yeah, there was this. And oh, yeah, there was that. But like you could kind of choose where you want to put your hand. To things. What, what were you going to work on? Well, I think, I, I think I'd like to run a business. Oh, I think I'd like to write a book. I think, you know, you just kind of do your thing. Like this world was relatively stable and people gave you relative space and relative respect. Nobody was trying to destroy you for your thoughts or beliefs. They just, you know, li- let people live, live and let live, you know, a little bit of that American freedom, America, what a country. We live in a world right now where this is going to get bad. And I feel compelled, like I'm stuck. You know, in my, in my day-to-day life, I'm a strategy consultant for, not, for, um, for privately owned companies. I work with the owners of private businesses to help them develop strategies, to help them scale, drive revenue, grow, succeed. We've got some wonderful companies, wonderful companies, like good, good-sized companies. Too. They're privately owned, so they're small business in, a, in air quotes. These aren't small businesses, hundreds of employees. I'm on advisory boards. I'm working with owners and executive teams, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I love it. Like, it's great work. And I could do that work, you know, at 55, I could do that for the next 10, 15 years and just, you know, make great money, sock it away. And Lydia and I could have a nice little retirement. But the problem for me is because I love the truth and I see a world that is so dark, so set against the truth, so hostile to it, so, so wanting to devour, devour anything that is good and clean and true and right. And, and, and this world that's just taking us over the precipice this world that is insisting on going into like a Marxist totalitarian woke nightmare where you're not allowed. I mean, right now, I'm sitting with people right now, not this very moment at the mic, mind you, but in my life where we start to have a conversation and not anything like seditious, not anything like, oh my gosh, you're not allowed to talk about that. Just, Just Christian beliefs, criticism of politicians, unhappiness with the way things are going in, in the institutions of our country. And, and people are like catching themselves, not wanting to talk because, well, you know, the cell phones are nearby and they're listening, they're listening, they're listening. And I'm saying, look, I get that, but like, what are they going to hear? They're going to hear you and I talk about something that's true. And as long as we're 
I mean, what are we going to say that's so evil? What are we going to say that's so destructive? If The thing is, they are definitely going to come for you for the truth. But the fact is, if you are fearful today to even speak it out loud, you got to step back and ask yourself, like, what kind of country, what kind of society am I living in where I'm, where I'm not saying anything bad, and yet I'm afraid to speak what I think? What kind of world are you living in already? So, so, you know, anybody that says, Mike, you're overreacting, like, just look around. People are getting concerned about what they're saying, where they're saying it, and who's listening. Well, if you can't even talk, then where are you going? Where, where is this leading to? So for me, it's difficult because I love the work I do, and I can justify that work as contributing to the world and making the world a better place. I won't get into it on this podcast, but I've got a kind of a rationale behind why I'm working with privately owned businesses, why I think they're superior to publicly traded companies, why they're better for our society, for our culture, for individual liberty, freedom, and expression. So I can just make that argument like, hey, that's why I'm working here. But at the same time, I want to address these bigger issues. And I'm saying to myself, I don't know how to do that because it, it takes so much energy. I mean, you had the Nord Stream 1 and 2 sabotage. You've got Joe Biden with his speech about a month or so ago, that very divisive speech. Uh, you've got all the shenaniganizing by the news media. And I mean, it just, it just, it just doesn't stop. There's so much to address and so much to try to tackle. Uh, I'm sitting here going, well, I, I, you know, like I could do this podcast. I could write my articles and make videos as a hobby on the side, but I gotta be honest with you. I don't have the time. I don't have the time to do my consulting practice and, you know, try to tackle the problems of the world. (laughs) you know, TM, uh, as a hobby, there just isn't enough time you, and to do anything well, if you want to accomplish anything, you want to be successful, you got to put your energy into it. Like this podcast, you know, I've gone, I've had fits and spurts. It grows when I put time into it, it grows. Then I go dormant for a while because life gets crazy and I just can't keep up and I need a break. Now, I sound like I'm complaining. I'm not complaining saying, oh, this is so hard. I don't mean that. What I'm saying is I'm looking at this world around me, asking myself, what do I do about this? Because it is my responsibility to earn and care for my family. And my family really consists of my wife and I. We have three kids. They're adults. And we help out a little bit. Um, you know, they're all transitioned into f- full-time adult life. But they're still youngish. I mean, the youngest one is 23. So we're, we're there in the background, a little bit of a safety net. But really, the family now... It's caring for Lydia and I, our current needs, but also being smart so that we can prepare for our future and and continue to be a blessing to our children. Not in that we're going to leave them millions, but more, you know, like mom and dad were wise and they took care of a lot of things. Yes, we're still helping and caring for them, but but there's no crisis where we have to now divert, um, you know, our lives, raising our children, et cetera, to make sure mom and dad don't end up on the streets, you know, that kind of thing. So, so I have a responsibility. I have to earn. And in the past, I could kind of satiate that desire for success in addressing the world uh, when the world was a little bit more sane by saying, well, let me build a business. Let me get in there and help small businesses and so on. It just seems like there's a fire, you know, like I'm sitting here looking at a building burning and it just seems like, well, any, any conscientious uh, human being is going to, is going to run to that to say, how can I help? You're going to grab some water. You're going to like, whatever you're going to help save people, support the guys doing the work. You're just, you feel compelled to like jump in there and help. 
because it's on fire. The building's on fire. And I'm looking at this massive fire and saying, um, you know, I feel like if, if I don't address it, that I'm just going, you know, there's a big fire over there. But I think what I'm going to do right now is work on my novel. So I'm just going to open my laptop while the, the heat from the, this big fire is just kind of singeing my hair a little bit. I'm going to ignore it, though. And as all the people are screaming and running around and there are sirens and people running past me to and fro, some trying to escape the fire, some running to it uh, to try to help put it out. I'm just going to sit here and work on a novel. And it's just a story. You know, it's just a little story I thought I'd write cause just being creative. <laughs> That's what it kind of feels like to not go ahead long in to addressing the problems of the world. Uh, there's a guy named Aaron Wren. Maybe you're familiar with him. Aaron Wren, R-E-N-N, a uh, Christian guy. I think he's out of like, maybe I want to say Indiana. I could be wrong, but he's a consultant. I think his area of expertise in the consulting world is, is around urban planning. He's, he's a, a urban planning guy, but, but he's, a, he's a Christian thinker. Um, he, he writes a bunch of articles. He comes up with some good frameworks for looking at things. He, he, he came up with a really good framework a while ago uh, that, that you call the three worlds of evangelicalism. It's made the rounds, but a very good lens with which to look at evangelicalism and understand it and what's going on in it. He put an article out, I want to say uh, today, and the title is Five Ways to Respond to Societal Decline. And, I, and it's funny, I just like yesterday was sitting with Lydia going, I don't know what to do. You know, I want to build this business. At the same time, I feel like I've got to address the world out there. My problem is if I try to address the world out there, I don't know how to pay the bills because I can't do both. And I don't really know what the economic, the business model is, is to, you know, to dive in there and try to tackle the societal issues that we're dealing with. Uh, in the need for truth. I, you know, like I just, I was just complaining this poor woman. I'm just commiserating. I don't know if we were commiserating, but I was miserating. I think that's the way to say it. I was miserating and she was being gracious about it. Uh, but I was upset. I'm like, I've got to work. I want to work. I love working. Now that's the other thing. I like doing my consulting work. I, I enjoy it. I love my clients. I'm grateful. The work is satisfying. Um, but I, but I really want to tackle this societal decline, the societal emergency, if you will. And there's a part of me, it's like, well, I don't even know if you can do anything. Like it's so far gone. Is it even, is there anything you can do? But I was just decrying all this to Lydia. And then this morning I saw Aaron's article. And I thought, oh good. Well, Aaron Wren's got my answer. Uh, and unfortunately I didn't come away with an answer, but he's got five ways to respond. And essentially I won't, I won't read the article to you, but I'll just talk a little bit about the five ways he just says there are five basic ways that any of us can respond. So he just assumes, look, there's no question, there's societal decline. So you, you, you know, you, if you if you pretend there isn't, then this isn't for you. But the but the one is to say resist and reform. You can resist what's going on, and you can try to reform society. And he and he made the argument that America has a history of this, not just the church, but America has a history of this. That you know we had um, before we had our. Our Constitution, we had the Articles of Confederation. They didn't necessarily work. Then we created the Constitution. Then the Constitution provided limits that didn't really address what we needed. We had a civil war. Uh, you know, we had to add amendments to the Constitution. Then we had the Great Depression. We had to come out with something like the New Deal, which, you know, people would argue maybe not the best answer. But, like, we've got this history of resisting what we think is not good and trying to reform it and come up with something better. So that, that's an option. So you can resist and, and try to reform. 
And it's a legitimate one. The second one he talks about is accelerate the collapse, which means there are a lot of people who are like, look, this thing is corrupt. It's evil. It sucks. And, and, it, and it's on its way. So I'm going to do everything I can to push it over the edge. I'm going to try to accelerate the collapse of this thing that I see as terrible. That's the one thing about uh, a lot of Trump supporters, not all of them, but a, a number of Trump supporters I think they want to accelerate the collapse. They don't mean to say that they're looking at Trump like he's a clown. He'll he'll help ruin it all. But I think they saw Trump as a spoiler. He's going to come in and wreck it. He's going to he's going to smash the board, send the marbles and the pieces flying, and the game is over. It's going to be a new game. That's why the whole you know drain the swamp. That's you know like a lot of the that the kind of Trump support I think came from people that want to accelerate the collapse. It's it's a corrupt thing. It's going to collapse. Let's Let's push it over. Let's help it fail so that we can move on to some to building something better. And I think one of the reasons you saw the establishment react so vehemently and rabidly against Trump, like I was talking about earlier, is because they sensed that Trump was a spoiler, that he was potentially an agent of accelerating this collapse, that he would pull the, the the carpet out from under. Now, whether Trump sees himself that way or not, I couldn't answer. Um, but Ren talks about that. Now, he does make the point, and I, and I would tend to agree with this, that some folks like John Brown, uh, radical abolitionist, when the, you start to embrace this idea of uh, embracing the collapse or accelerating the collapse, rather, sorry, it can lead to violence, uh, to political and social violence. And that's, that's a very dark, evil thing. So... Um, so that's that. Number three he says, just enjoy the decline. Uh, there's you know a lot of people that are just saying, hey, nothing you can do about it. Uh, you might as well just enjoy yourself. And so, rather than fight it, rather than try to accelerate it, you know, just just coast. He he cites this whole idea of um, it's like a cynicism, really. This idea of quiet quitting. You know, that a lot of the workforce these days, they're not quitting their jobs. They're just doing the least amount possible to stay employed. It's essentially like quitting. You're not getting the value out of that employer. You're not getting them to do anything that you need them to do. But they're just doing enough that they're staying employed. They're, it's like they've checked out. Um, so, so that's another option is to enjoy the decline. The fourth one that, that Ren talks about is... Um, is is this uh, uh, bear with me? Sorry, uh, build an ark. Now this tends to be what. Sorry, we got a fighter jet flying overhead. <laughs> That's one of the joys of living in a city uh, near an air force base and a navy base as well. So you, you get fighter jets from time to time. Uh, I kind of love that sound. Uh, as a kid, I always loved like the power of these things just like rocketing through the air, flying through the air. So number four is build an ark. And this is really that kind of monastic, um, that monastic instinct. I think Rod Dreher is well known for this. Uh, you know, like, look, things are going to get really bad. It, it, you can't necessarily stop it, but you can create almost like a little enclave, a little arc. Uh, try to create your own systems to support one another, become more locally oriented, have little talks in your home. This is easier to go underground with. And this way you kind of keep the flame alive. You know, the society's gone bar barbarian. 
Uh, but we've got to keep the flame alive of the truth and, and, and the truth of Christ. And so we come together in very localist ways. You homeschool, which Lydia and I were homeschoolers, no, no, no criticism there, but you homeschool, maybe have little house church, you do little studies of, of deeper thoughtful works in scripture, and you just try to make sure that, that, that you're keeping the flame alive. It's an ark. You know, there's a terrible storm. Get everybody in the ship to be protected. And then when the storm is done and the waters recede, you can come back out and be fruitful and multiply again. And then five, the fifth way is just to deny and proceed. So this is not a cynicism. So the the other one, which is just enjoy the decline, that's a very cynical view. It's just like, I'm just going to get for myself. I've, this whole thing is fake. It's stupid. It's corrupt. Nothing I can do about it. Totally cynical. So I'm just going to grab. I'm just going to get for myself. That's that quiet quitting. That's uh, men going their own way. Just get as much sex as you can, uh, but don't get attached to anybody. Just take for yourself. The world's a wreck. You might as well get the most out of it you can. This last one, though, is just deny and proceed. And that is to ignore or tell yourself nothing's wrong. Just insist on living the way that you've always lived. And these are these folks that often get mocked for being NPCs, non-playable characters, uh, you know, by people. It's like, you're just, a, you're just a, a robot. You know, you're just watching television, consuming, you know, running your kids back and forth, taking your vacations, and you're just going to pretend nothing's wrong and, uh, and move on with your life. These are the people that probably have some kind of value somewhere. Uh, they probably, if you press them, didn't like certain things that were happening in society. And their way of coping with it is just to ignore those things, push them down and just pretend they don't exist so that they can go on living their self-centered life. These are, these are people that may not like all this stuff, but won't necessarily stand up for what is true. And you could say a lot of that is um, what you saw in, in, um, you know, in, the, in, in, in Rome, you know, just people... Uh, living their life, life of debauchery, not really doing anything about it before Rome collapsed. So, so there are your five that you know Aaron Wren shares. I'll just read them all again. Resist and reform, accelerate the collapse, enjoy the decline, build an arc, and deny and proceed. And for me, I, I don't see an answer in there where I'm like, okay, now I know what I need to do. For me, I, I look at that and say, well, resist and reform is probably more uh, my nature my nature. And uh, I don't know what that looks like. But my challenge right now, and, and I'm wondering if you're having the same challenge, is like, what do you do about this? And again, because I'm wired in a certain way, I love that big picture. I love the truth. And I, and I have this drive. I, I need to do something of significance. Well, I, 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 I can't, I feel stuck. If I'm going to grow my consulting business, I have to do it with significance. I can't just make enough consulting money to get by so I can have a hobby on the side. I'm not a hobby kind of guy. I'm either going to go all in on something or I'm just going to go find something else to go all in on. And I don't know, given the truth of what I see in the context of the world, the bigger picture that I see, that I, you know, how do I address this world I'm in? You know, doing this podcast and and, I'm, and I don't really do it right now, but like if I were writing essays and making videos about it, that's not enough for me because I, I need to be able to devote. I mean, I don't mind doing those things. It's, it is enough, if I, but I can't devote enough time to do them with any regularity um, because I got to I got to make an income. And it's not clear to me how you make uh, a, a decent enough income doing that kind of work. 
I do think, I mean, if I were to work really hard at grow audiences that just opportunities would materialize, but it's, it's hard for me to go into this thing saying, well, I really don't know what I'm doing. I'm just going to do this on the side for a few years, see what comes out of it, but I'm pretty sure there'll be an opportunity. It's like, well, that's, I, I, I really, it's hard. I'd like to be able to put my hand to this in a way that's more meaningful or say, look, there's not much you can do about it. So, you know, dive into your business and build that as best you can. Um, and, and use that and just be open to the, to the, Times that God opens the door for you to be impactful. You don't know what those are going to be. Just do what you do well. You do a business well, like grow it. Add those other income streams you've been thinking about. Grow that business um, and then watch, you know, for the doors to open. And, and that's, that could be a really good strategy. I, I, and, and that tends to be the way I'm leaning right now. But the problem with that is, as I wrap this up, if, if I go the route of just saying, if so, so the one route, if I go all in, I'm going all in, I'm, I'm going to make great podcasts, write great essays, make great videos. I'm just going to really start pushing this and the doors will open. That, that, that could be fantastic. The problem for me is I just don't know what that business model looks like. And that's hard for me. Uh, I need to understand the revenue piece so that I can focus on these things and do them well. Because right now I'm not doing anything well, including this podcast. There are other options and say, well, let me go all in on my business and, um, and, and do that as best I can. But then the problem for me becomes, well, this podcast, what happens to the podcast? What happens to these, these, these pieces where I want to address deeper topics? And um, so I'm at a little bit of a crossroads. Uh, I apologize to kind of take you through this, but I'm curious, you know, do you guys have similar thoughts? Do you have similar questions? I'd love to know where you're at with the world we're living in and how you see your place in it and your responsibility to it. Uh, please get in touch with me. Just send me an email. You can go on my website. There's a contact form there. It's mikegaston.com. And real secret, since only the good listeners listen all the way to the end. I'll give you my email address. It's mike at mikegaston.com. Just shoot me an email. But the contact form does the same thing. Go to my website. Sign up for my newsletter. It's on the website as well. And uh, let me know, though, what you think. Where are you at with all this? And, and I'm open to advice. Uh, look, I'm not going to take just a random stranger on the Internet's advice and just, you know, go full steam. But, man, uh, there's a Bible verse that says, in a multitude of counsel, there is wisdom. And I like hearing from other people because I'm too close to this. I, I'm very good at helping my clients figure out strategies, solve problems, pathways. What should you do? How should we do it? I'm fantastic at that. But holy smokes, when it comes to me, it's it's more than a little challenging. So would love to hear from you guys. Guys, thank you so much for your time. Man, do I love you guys. I love you guys. I wish there was a time where we could just all get together in a room and hang out. I think that would be a blast. Maybe God will open that door. But in the meantime, know that I love you. I hope you guys are doing well, that you have a great week. And until the next episode, be good. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. Cheers. Thank you.